On this week's episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast, we dive into your career and why it's important for leaders to have a replacement plan in place. Hey competitors, welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. My name's Jake Thompson. I'm the Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Everyday And I'm glad you're here to hang out as we have a brand new Compete Everyday podcast episode where I sit down with Meredith E. Powell to talk about what it means to have a plan in place. Why? Within your career, if you want to be a competitor in your professional career and succeed over the long course of time, why you have to have a plan in place not only for yourself should anything ever happen, but have a plan in place for your team. And what are the things that we can do today to start building the type of mindset mindset needed to groom future leaders within our organization. All right, competitors, one quick note this week. If you are listening to this on the day of the release or within 24 hours of the release, know that the deadline is rapidly approaching for our V for Victory campaign. I was inspired by Winston Churchill and England's V for Victory campaign during World War II. And through that and our team's amazing work, we have created the Victory Collection, where all proceeds are going to support members of the Compete Everyday community who've been financially impacted by the pandemic that we are currently facing. We have a long list of competitors who have lost their jobs, have been laid off during this quarantine period. And so our goal is to raise as much as possible through the sale of all V for Victory items. Even better, we will donate 50% of all other items in your shopping cart. So if you grab one of the awesome V for Victory campaign shirts and decide you need another shirt, another tank, a wristband, we are donating 50% of those proceeds as well to the competitor fund. So you have until 11.59 p.m. on April 23rd to grab your V for Victory campaign shirt. And I would challenge you to do so if you are in a financially comfortable position during this. Grab an awesome shirt. Know that all the proceeds are going to support members of this community who are maybe struggling right now, who have lost their job, who are in that career transition due to COVID-19. To get in touch with the show, shoot me an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And no, I'm incredibly thankful you're here. I'm incredibly thankful that you're listening to the show, that you guys continue to share it on social media, to introduce new people to the Compete Everyday podcast. The only reason we continue to grow on this show, we grow as a brand, is because each and every one of you. So I want you to know that. I want you to feel like you have ownership in this company's continued growth because honestly, I attribute it all to you. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support. And now I'm excited to welcome to the show Meredith E. Powell as we talk about planning, building a career, and making sure that you have a replacement plan in place on your team and for yourself. Meredith, oh, this is fun. I've been excited since we got to sit and have lunch at National Speaker Association in Houston for this conversation to talk about your book and work. And wow, the timing on all of it right now could not be better as it is April 3rd. And I shared right beforehand that Dallas has now extended their stay at home uh, till late May. And so everyone's in a sense right now of adapting and adjusting and having to be uh, prepared for the unknown, which is what a lot of the things you talk about and help organizations with from secession planning to 
just thriving in, in the uncertainty of tomorrow. Uh, before we dive into all that and, and help our guests just kind of get a handle on life and, and planning and everything, introduce yourself just a little bit uh, because you have a very successful career and a very unique one, as you shared over lunch, uh, that I personally love and can relate to a lot of aspects on. Well, I have, um, you know, let's see, I've been in business for myself now, uh, gosh, I guess I guess about um, 15 years, but I came out of corporate like many people who go out on their own came out of corporate, but really my career has been not so much about the industry that I worked in, but more about the fact that I went into industries at time of crisis. I went into travel and tourism right after a hurricane. I went into healthcare as Medicare and Medicaid were being cut back. And I went into banking at the time when community banks and that entire industry um, uh, is changing. So I think I must be the type of person who likes to run towards the gunfire because the challenge, the uncertainty has always kind of been uh, what, what I've liked to do. And it, really when the economy got good in the, um, in the early 2000s is really when I decided to go out on my own because it, um, I got a little bored. And, and, you know, at least then I could control organizations that I, would, I could work with and the challenges that they were going through. Yeah, I, I almost should ask you if you're planning another pivot in the midst of all, the, <laughs> all this right now. But I know you uh, quite love what you do and, and the people that know you and, and are familiar with your work uh, laugh that you are one of the hardest hustlers, always on sales calls. I remember when they introduced you at NSA that you were the individual that were getting your daily sales calls in before that tea time. It didn't matter how early you were making sure the emails were out, the calls were, uh, which is why you've had success through some of those uncertain times. But you recently just co-authored a book that I wanted us to talk to about today with, with who comes next and, and the reason of, of planning that replacement, that succession plan. And, and for a lot of our listeners, they may be thinking, why are we talking about something <laughs> like this? But on our show, it's all about how you can succeed in your career and in your life. And for a lot of us in our career, we start moving into managerial positions, director positions, or we start a company. And we never think long-term about replacing ourselves. And what's going to happen if we lose a key employee? Or what happens if suddenly we're incapacitated? Who steps into that role? And you've seen when that's gone really poorly, uh, but how it can be done effectively so that that person can be replaced or even improved upon by having that plan in place so the company doesn't falter setback. What inspired you and, and Mary to write this book and then talk to us just a little bit about behind the scenes on it? Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, I wrote the book with a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Mary Kelly, who's just a phenomenal um, leadership expert. And really, we came together in the sense that we both had a passion and a belief that the only real advantage left in today's marketplace is the people that you surround yourself with. Because I don't care even if we're in the middle of a pandemic, there's nothing separating you from your competition in the sense of product. There's nothing you make that your competitor can't make, won't make, or couldn't make. So it's really the experience that you're creating and your reputation in the marketplace. Now, those are both dependent upon your employees because you don't interact with every single one of your customers. So then we started looking at when it came down to um, the viability and the long-term growth of the organization, small business, big business, every size business, the biggest challenge they had was 
talent, not only filling a position, but if somebody left for good reasons or for bad, um, they didn't have somebody there to, to take their place in the continuity of it. So all of that was important, but then the pandemic hit. And wow, you talk about the need to be thinking about how important succession is, then you could have people get sick. You could have people, I'm dealing with a client right now that we've got three of her critical um, team members out right now, and nobody else on the team understands how to do some of those roles. So it was really about a really about emphasizing to organizations that succession was beyond the C-suite. It was really throughout the organization. And if you want your business to be viable long term, that's one of the highest and best places for you to put value. You know, one of the things that you mentioned in there that I love and continue to talk to my clients about as well is the importance of investing in those teams and, and training and not only building that succession plan, but having them trained up to continue to grow. Because I think for a lot of business owners, even C-suite, we're worried by investing these resources and helping these employees get better, they're going to leave. And we're going to have wasted all this time when in reality, people are leaving regardless. And what we don't want to have happen is not invest in them, not train them, not have a plan, and then they stay, which sometimes does worse for us. How are you seeing in, in terms of the companies that are planning for this stuff? What are some of the initiatives or things they're starting to do maybe differently than others that haven't even thought about it? Yeah, I think that they're, I think number one is that um, the, the real um, companies that are really making strides are companies that are small, that are realizing that investing in employees is a good way to keep them long-term. Now, I am the last, um, I'm the last era of the last year of the baby boomer. So I'm certainly not a, you know, a Gen X or, or a millennial, but my career path was a lot like that. I had no desire to write, to rise up through the ranks and be the CEO one day. And the only way my boss kept me there, I told him I'd come to work for him for two years and I stayed eight. And the reason <laughs> I stayed eight was because he really gave me opportunity. He asked me what skills I wanted to learn. And then he gave me opportunity to learn all of those skills, which is the reason I'm in business for myself today. So I think that it's the smart companies that are realizing they need talent more than talent needs them. And even after this pandemic, you're going to be able to find employees. This isn't about finding employees. This is about finding amazing employees. And, and in an uncertain marketplace, which will remain uncertain, people aren't looking to come to work for you for 30 years. They're looking to come to work for you to learn and grow and contribute. And the smart companies are, are understanding those are what they need to offer. And they don't have to be multi-million dollar training programs. They can be as small as a mentorship program, allowing somebody to create their own job. Just get out of the box and offer people opportunity that they want. Have you seen, and the, I'll preface the way I'm asking this, is for a lot of our listeners that are maybe kind of in that mid-level, they're the mid-manager, their director level, they haven't quite gotten up to the C-suite. Perhaps they have a passion for training their team, developing their team, but there's a little bit of resistance from the rest of the culture within the organization. Have you seen instances like that and how specific units or teams within an organization are able to kind of cultivate that growth uh, that eventually permeates out to the rest of the organization or, or where have you seen that go awry? Um, I think that's how culture changes. In, in an organization is I always advise that typically I am working with that level that is under the C-suite. That's my favorite group of people to work with because to me, they're the most important group in the company, right? They're carrying out the message that the execs want carried out, but they're intimately involved with the people that have to do the work. So, um, so often if they were only listening to what the C-suite said, 
they wouldn't be investing in their people. They wouldn't be training their people. And the way that I have found to make change in an organization is you can ask for it or you can prove why it works. So if you go in and you develop your team and you create succession and you, in, which will drive your numbers, you're going to get the C-suite's attention and that's going to permeate throughout the company. So where I see it go awry is that when people start to demand change before they make the change in their own ranks. I love it. I love it. You have to set the example before you, you ask for it. One of the things I want to talk about just from a timing perspective right now with this pandemic, with uh, our need to be flexible and adapting and, and just uh, honestly overcoming obstacles and, and things that are in everyone's path right now, whether it's a small obstacle of a new normal and schedule to, to larger ones of dealing with career change right now. Your career as a, a speaker and just trainer working with these organizations, you've had to deal with rejections. That's the beauty of sales. Nobody's batting a thousand. But I remember you sharing lessons at NSA and, and during some of our conversations where you used each one and you saw each one as a learning experience of how you could improve and grow. Have you always had that mindset that adversity and obstacles are learning experiences? And if not, where did you start to kind of shift that perspective? You know, um, what a great, what a great question. Um, so I, you know, I'm the youngest of four children and in my family, um, everybody's incredibly bright, save me, in the sense that everybody's, everybody went to prep school, everybody's Ivy League changed, trained, um, educated, except me. I was always just the hard worker. And, um, and I think, so failure was just part of that, right? Like, I didn't get into prep school. I didn't get into an Ivy League college. I didn't, I didn't make everything that my brothers and sisters did. And so I think I just failed so much as a young child that it was always just about getting myself up and dusting myself off. And that was the label I got in the family. I was the hard worker. My brother was the really smart one. My sister was gifted, you know? So like I got the label as the hard worker and you know, you look at it as a kid and you think maybe that was harsh. And I can't tell you how many times I say, thank you, God, yeah. because, because my parents expected me to fail so that when I failed, I just got myself back up. So I really think from the time that I was young, I just, thought I was going to have to try things 52 times before they would stick. And it was just, that just got grooved in my brain that, oh, well, that felt bad. That wasn't fun. And I just always got right back on the horse. Both my brothers and my sister did not fare nearly as well. In fact, my one brother is incredibly um, bright. He's passed away now, but he didn't, um, he just, he could not accept failure at all. So I think that I just got the lucky straw in the family that my parents didn't think I would amount to much. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fascinating you saying that. And that's honestly, it's been reiterated on our parents podcast, raising competitors about the importance of language and how certain traits of hardworking and communication and just do so many more dividends over the long haul, just as you very clearly <laughs> explained in your own experience uh, and I love that. And, and it also reminded me of the book Late Bloomers that I've recently finished about yeah. people that don't really kind of find that groove. They're hardworking. They've got skills. But kind of like you, you've been in some different industries. And, and man, talk about a stride that you've, you've started and kept in speaking. Uh, it wasn't like you started speaking <laughs> in, at 20. Like it was yeah. later kind of in your career. Yeah. And so uh, the hardworking trait works well. And, and the reason I, I thought that might be the case and wanted our listeners to hear it is just the importance of that right now. Because I can imagine your clients, 
uh, as well as some of my clients are scrambling because what they've always done before this and how they've always approached business isn't working. And it's a yeah. challenge to sell right now because some people are still financially okay and, and a lot aren't. They have to be, have that mindset of we're going to be the hardest working team because we're going to fail. We have to try things to figure out what's going to work now. What are some ways you're communicating that with, with maybe friends, with clients about the importance of having that mindset that failure is just part of the process. We just have to be the hardest working. Yeah. So the, um, I actually named my business. My company is called motion first. And the reason I named um, my business that is because I believe that things happen through progress. And what I've been communicating to my clients right now is that I, we don't have any idea where this is going to end up. We don't know what the world's going to look like, what business is going to look like. We don't know what businesses are going to survive or won't survive. I mean, look at you and I, we don't have any clue if we'll ever be back on a platform again. Right? So I can spend, I can't figure that out. So I can't, build the exact strategy to get there. So what I'm telling my clients and what I'm doing for myself is we have to make progress every single day. And part of making progress is I'm just trying to create con um, content that's relevant right now. I'm really listening to what my clients are going through. And the biggest things are, okay, I know I'm supposed to reach out. I don't know what to say. So this morning I wrote scripts for people that I'm offering to people. I probably shoot two or three webinars a week on a topic that somebody gave me that like right now, how do we relieve remote workforce, remote workforce through a crisis? And I'm trying to create content that helps leaders do the things where their pain points are. That progress is going to lead me to the next door and the next door will open and I will go through that door. And so I just think that, you know, it may sound really simple, but I believe that success happens from progress and progress only has to be an inch. It just needs to be one foot. You did something different today to move you forward. And that will lead to the door that will open, that will open the path. That'll take you. I like, I, I believe that for those of us who do that, we are about to wind up someplace that was beyond our wildest imagination. I, you know, I knew there was a reason we were kindred spirits and that <laughs> to a T is a perfect message of competing every day of showing up and just trying to make one inch worth of progress. Mm -hmm. And the importance of what you said that I want to reiterate for listeners is you don't have to have the entire path figured out. Most people are sitting in neutral right now because they're like, well, I don't know. This is the end all be all if I make this decision. And you're like, no, just take a step forward yeah. and figure it out. And then you'll, you'll adjust every day. So Flashing back to the book, because people have new schedules right now, which is probably means they have some extra time to do some reading. I know I have uh, been dialed into the Winston Churchill book, The Splendid and the Vile, as, as kind of my escape each night. Where can we go to find your book uh, and get connected, especially for those listening that are trying to grow within their professional careers or leading teams and have honestly never thought about the idea of how do I replace myself? How do I replace my best team member if they were yeah. to suddenly leave? Yeah. So basically you can find um, everything at my website, which is valuespeaker.com, just the terms valuespeaker.com. And it might be easier to contact me rather than Amazon right now. Everything's on Amazon, the Kindle, the workbook, the book, everything. Um, but also on my website is um, I've got a special place that you'll just see at the top when you look at the menu that if you go there, I've also got all my free resources um, and tools for getting you through every single phase of this pandemic. So I can, um, and I think it's going to be uh, information that's going to be viable for no matter what crisis is happening in the marketplace. 
Well, and, and hopefully once we get through all this pandemic, we know at some point in the next decade, we'll probably have some <laughs> other roller coaster and obstacle jump in. And so the sooner we can dive into the book, the sooner we can start building the plan so that we're ready for whatever comes our way. Meredith, this has been a lot of fun. Always enjoy our conversations and getting to know each other. Thank you for hanging out today. Thank you. It's been uh, great. I just want to say that I really believe you build your network, you change your life. So if people reach out to me, I will definitely reach back. Love it. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with me or the show, email us at podcast at competeeveryday.com. To join our free Facebook community and get connected with other ambitious leaders working to win their work, their workouts, and their life, be sure to visit us at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day. Until the next episode, keep competing every single day because your life is worth it.